Today's episode is sponsored by you, my Patreon subscribers. Join the family by visiting patreon.com forward slash Nalini Tranquim. Today, I have the joy of holding a conversation with Dave Palmer, who is an ex-athlete and retired firefighter, the host of the Dave Palmer podcast, where he and his guests highlight ways in which people can improve their lives. He is a personal coach who helps people build resilience by using fitness and mindfulness and is the author of the book Firefighting from Within. So I know you're going to love this today. So let's get into it. Dave, welcome to Under the Rug. Ah, well, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, Nalini. And uh, great pleasure meeting you again. I know you uh, you had a a great uh, episode on my podcast and I'm really, really great pleasure for me to, to, to you to invite me here as well. Thank you so much. Yeah, I loved being on your podcast. We had so much fun. We had so much to talk yeah, yeah. about. And then I think we were like, okay, I think we might need a round two. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We've got a bit, it was about 10 rounds in a heavyweight fight. Yeah. So we've got, we've got a few rounds to go through. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your background. Where are you from? Tell us about your family. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm from London. I was born in an area called Stoke Newington in London. Um, and then I grew up in London Bridge, uh, an area called the Borough in London, which is now a very tourist area. Are your parents originally from London then? No, no, no. Uh, my mum's from the Caribbean, from uh, a small island called St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And my dad is from an island on the Indian Ocean called Mauritius, which is, oh. yeah, it's, yeah, it's not far from Madagascar. Yeah. Off the East Coast of, yeah. Well, my surname, my hubby's last name, Tranquim, is, is Mauritian. So, oh, is it? Okay, yeah, yeah that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've seen seen that. Yeah, Tranqui, yeah. apparently, is how you right, say it. Right, so it's French. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Creole, Creole, yeah. yeah, which is Creole is like broken French, basically. So yeah. Um, but my my dad's uh, surname. He's from similar background to your dad. He's you know um, from Indian background, Indian yeah. Russian and uh, Hindu. My goodness. So that's it's, it's derived from that. And then siblings wise? I grew up with one sister and two brothers. Yeah. Um, okay, so now your biography, I was having a read of that the other day, and it actually references really severe bullying that you experienced as a young child. Um, I know we're kind of going straight into it, but I would, yeah, yeah. I would really love it if you could just share with us a bit more about that journey, that experience for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not the same as what, how I probably. Um, would put some of the workplace bullying that I've experienced but workplace is kind of like a lot of people experience some kind of conflict in some way so it depends on the, the culture of the, the organization or corporate you know how it's yeah. all, you know um but um, with the school it was typical uh, school bullying but mine really I think most of it I mean I did experience some racism as well from society because there's a lot going on politically you know um, it's a bit like saying Brexit you know what's going on and yeah. things like that so it's with the migration and that there was a lot of kind of protests and you know marches and things like that but to be honest with the school it was it was personal and then I found out later in life I had dyslexia and it all made sense so um because some teachers were even they didn't really understand dyslexia they were even like pointing a finger at me saying oh well you know and then I was being a bit of a class clown so it it made it rubbed it in even more oh Dave's being you know uh so it, it really it really um um, although it's classic textbook stuff that happened to me, the, I, I can really say that some of it was towards the traits, you know, of, yeah. of dyslexia as of opposed dyslexia. to the, yeah, as opposed to the colour of my skin. But I, because I, I didn't know too much 
from primary school days, you know, that's six, really seven, eight years old. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. You know, um, Sandro and his family, so my hubby, they yeah. um, fled the war in Mozambique and moved from Mozambique um, into Zimbabwe when my hubby was yeah. about six years of age. Right, yeah. And then his parents, you know, obviously sent him to school which for him was a huge adjustment because he was from a Portuguese-speaking nation yeah. to Zimbabwe, which was an English-speaking nation. So yeah, he couldn't yeah. speak the language, couldn't understand was it, anything. Was it still? No, it wasn't. It, it wasn't Rhodesia. It actually changed to Zimbabwe. It had changed, yeah, yeah. It yeah, had yeah. changed to Zimbabwe. Because I remember point. when it was Rhodesia, and I actually was um, friends with some people my age, that uh, I think they left when it went from Rhodesia to Zimbabwe. There was yeah, like was, a mass exodus. That's right, yeah. Yeah, from Zimbabwe. So that, yeah, when yeah, it switched right. over to local rule. Yeah, but for right, him, yeah. I mean, he was bullied excessively by teachers telling him that he was an idiot and, you know, would probably end up in a special needs school. Yeah, well, I did actually end up in a special needs school for about a year and a half. Wow. For that reason, you just told me that even the teacher said, well, he's an idiot because of the class clown bit because I'm covering up. The fact that, you know, my academic field for that age, you know, wasn't, you know, I wasn't reading as well as, and, and things, you know, yeah. were slowing down. I got criticised for a few things. So that that's what I, what happened, really. So what was the driving force for you then to actually end up um, becoming an athlete? Like, how did that sort of steer you? Yeah, well, just before, when I, my last uh, year, say, or two in primary school, when I was looking for a way out because, you know, things weren't going well then, but I was still keen to be at school. You know, I wasn't, you know, totally sort of, oh, I hate this now because of the bullying or whatever and the teachers saying I'm this and that. They picked up on it and said, well, you know, there's behavioural things, not obviously attaching it to dyslexia maybe because, you know, it wasn't, because there's different grades of dyslexia as well, so it probably wasn't enough and say well he's not even spell completely right you know yeah because those days it was just only oh he can't spell it's dyslexia but now it's a, a multi you know right lots of things now that they, they detect it with so um I did the sports day in primary school and I was winning sprints and long jump and things like that and um, they, then they called me up in assembly because I usually it's because oh Dave did something stupid today look come up in assembly and tell them what you did but this time wow. it was Dave came first in this and well done and here's your you know medal and blah 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 and then wow. the self-esteem went up a bit but yeah. then I went to a normal comprehensive school and they were already talking about well, what should we do about Dave's kind of like you know something's wrong with Dave at school with blah 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 and he obviously picked up on the bullying when I said look such such picking on me blah 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 you know when you're younger you say that and then um so my first year in a normal comprehensive school which is in the same area um I've got bullied the severe bullying got even more really really bad and um I, I raised it and but then academically I weren't really well with maths and things like that I weren't really a, weren't a problem you know it was only wow. just like the, the English and the comprehension so um that's when I got moved to a special school. I said, well, put him in a special school. He needs a smaller class so he can get on and, and maybe that, that'll be the answer. Of course, they do have special education alongside the mainstream in the same school these days for dyslexia. Right. Yep. But that wasn't the case with me. But then um, that school I went to, was it was um, I had to stay there like a boarding school, but, you know, run by the local authority in London. And um, there was, I you know, they let me kind of develop and do what I needed to do because, you know, the part of it was, oh, let's get Dave back 
up to speed with what's going on and they saw the improvement immediately and they saw day you know they, they had a running track there I was playing football for the school and things like that but obviously running was something that was in my head in terms of I already did that at prime school and got a good pat on the back for it wow. so I think I'm going to beat everyone you know and they said right oh, they're going to have a race and I started beating everyone then they had this thing called a five-star award we do things like long jump and blah blah, blah. I joined a local athletics club which was new and I was just winning everything for my age there um and then so it, it it took off from there but I was doing other sports because that's an area that I felt I can just yeah, express myself express physically yourself, you know yeah. yeah yeah so um although you know I didn't um excel as much with the other sports football cricket you know um I, I enjoyed taking part in the other sports wow. and then uh um I did uh when I went back to uh, you know, mainstream comprehensive school because then they said, well, hang on a minute, Dave's, Dave's not having any kind of these issues, you know. And then let's get him to comprehensive school, get him back up to speed. My IQ was quite, you know, a little bit above average for my age then. They, they measured all that because that was all part of the, the kind of special needs, you know, assessment yeah. that they were giving me. And so the assessments from whoever the education psychologist was, no, he's got to get back to mainstream. He's doing everything that's normal. And in fact, he's doing well with his athletics as well, you know, that sort of thing. And then I joined the athletics club, which yeah. was the best in the country. I was around Olympic athletes, which I think I mentioned. Incredible. You know, and, uh, and so, um, you know, 16, I was one of the fastest runner in the, in the, in the country. And my, I was excelling at school, but and I didn't understand why I weren't passing exams because of the, mm. the short-term memory side of things and, you know, yeah, revision right. and stuff like that. And did that bother you? Because even though you were excelling in your athletics, yeah, field. it did in a way. Because in athletics, uh, the general route was that a lot of people did an academic, and then some, you know, a good majority of them went to university afterwards, or, or right. you know, they did a, a job where it, you know matched what they were doing. So you needed like the 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 oh, they called it O levels then, but the GCSEs, high grades to get to work in a bank or, or whatever, yeah. you know. So those those were the kind of jobs they were doing, and right. there was some hands on tight jobs and obviously I looked at joining the fire service it's kind of like naturally physically fit and I got excited at school you know especially when I went back to mainstream school it's what you know they're, do, they're doing careers now when you're 15 16 so yeah what of you course want to do. so it's either something sporty like be a physio or a coach or whatever obviously I'm doing coaching now or something like oh the fire service looks good you know wow you know it's kind of you know obviously for a I kid's, love that. Uh, uh, someone of boyhood's dream you know it's like looking at that because you I don't know maybe the environment and the toys you're playing with and things yeah. you're watching on TV, you know. Maybe I'll blame Thunderbirds for it. That's <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, it was like that. Actually, they should bring that back. That's quite yeah, they should. I used to love Thunderbirds. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's what, you know. And I, I, I just had a sense of wanting to do something and also a sense of justice from the bullying because I did still receive that bullying, but it got better yeah. as I excelled in sports because people were recognising, well, he's good at something and right. he's getting like the whole school and the headmaster knows about him now, you know, it's like, um, but I did like one time, it included some racism when I got knocked out in someone who, who, who punched me on the way home, you know, one of the wow. school kids. This is at the back, when I went back at Main Street. Oh, wow. And I was knocked out and then, um, you know, he said, I want to kill the be black so-and-so, like that. Yeah. So, um, uh, wow. Yeah, it was like that. And that would have been high school. That's high school. So that's 15. I was about 15 when that happened. And in actual fact, I stopped everything. I almost wanted to quit school. It just yeah. happened for, it went on for about two weeks and then I stopped sports for that whole summer. It was just before the summer. And then I went back. I think I was doing some boxing training. There's a boxing club near me. That I, uh, yeah, I, 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 I kind of got fit back again. And then I think the self-esteem got back and I've forgotten about it. And I just went back. And You've had to be a resilient human being from the time you were quite little. 
Yes, yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. Right, isn't it interesting how you work in resilience now? Yeah, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I weren't noticing it, to be honest. No. Um, and I, I can't say that I've never been stressed, because I have, and I've done a stressful job, and I'm, I, you try and sort of put it to the back of your mind, but you, if you're a human being, as much as yeah. you want to be as resilient as you can, um, you know, yeah. you're still vulnerable. You're still, you're still absolutely. Feeling, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you have this childhood dream then of becoming a firefighter. Yeah. I love that you have a rooster in the background oh, yeah. sorry about that yes yeah, no so. it's delightful <laughs> the, neighbor, the neighbors only just put it in there about three weeks ago so um okay, everything so, that i used to do in this house is <laughs> so i'm just going to let the audience know that you live this lavish life between london and the philippines and that you are not in london at the moment with a no, rooster no. next door no, that's right. you are actually in the philippines <laughs> that's right exactly yeah, yeah. i had visions of so, people going oh roosters in east london didn't know they existed um, well there might be one or two but <laughs> okay Okay, so you had this, you know, this young adult, I guess, fantasy maybe of joining the firefighting world. Yeah. But that actually became a reality for you. So, so talk to us about those early days of, you know, being in the firefighting world and the differences between the reality of it and your, I guess, your little boy dream of it. Well, yeah, you've got to do some stuff around the station, you know, some routine work. But then when there's a fire, you've got to, you know, obviously yep. attend. We don't tell you everything in the books about how to. You know, fight the fire but you know I have to say you know, I did experience I did experience some bullying hmm. and it, it was unusual because there is a lot of fun taking it's that type of job you know so of course there is humor there's a lot of humor and I don't think that side will ever go away but you know yeah there's you know certain types of humor in different industries so even with yeah. actors you know they'll, they'll be sort of, of humor while they're waiting for their turn in the set or whatever yeah of like course but it wasn't it was unacceptable and even the managers started at that time putting mm. policies in where there wasn't before to try and stop all that because they want to recruit more black and female firefighters right. in, in the fire service. Yep. So it was, well, if it, you know, if there's racism and blah, blah, blah. And some people were getting a sack for it. And, you know, obviously for the women, it wasn't an environment that they could go straight into because no. of the way, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, they're fighting for other issues like obviously, you know, separate um, changing rooms or yeah, like, of course. rooms and toilets and things like that because that, even that wasn't. Wow, they were behind. You know, they're still in the seventies, but then I—that was only like ten years. Yeah, <laughs> later that I joined, so they were still kind of wrapped up in sixties, seventies kind of. Wow. Thing. So yeah, I mean, I, then I started just hearing the um, the kind of discourse and undertones mm. of racism, you know, and I, I just thought, well, this isn't right, really, you know. And I was getting bullied, which I know how it feels to be bullied, you know. And some of it is like school playground type bullying. It's, mm. it's not like adult world kind of like, well, you know, just just teasing a bit, you know, adult teasing. It was some of it was like school. Wow. You know? So it was like that. It was really. Uh... So how did you navigate that? Well, I, I I did what I thought was supposed to happen, which, you know, you, you sort of t tell the direct line, man. You, well, you, you speak out first, which I did. Well, I don't think blah, 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 right. And blah, blah, blah. And they're, they're kind of saying, what are we talking about? You know, blah, blah. Then from there, it got a bit kind of nasty. And then I thought, well, this is getting too much. I'll have to let the line manager know about this. And then from there, I went to see someone a little bit above the line manager who was in charge of the whole fire station. Then he was sort of trying to push it back a bit on me and saying, well, you've got to be, you know, uh, you know you, you've got to really tolerate. That's what you're saying. That's wow. how you turn it around. Um, and then... Um, I just, I don't know, luckily there was some, I, I got involved with a trade union about five years later, 
because it got you know a bit nasty. Because what the, one of the other things that happens is rumor mongering. So it gets spread to other stations. I change stations, and then the rumor mongering obviously spreads. You know, follows mm. you. These are the sort of things that happen, especially if you make a, a bring a complaint up. But it wasn't a total complaint. It was like I don't think this is right. Yeah. From speaking speaking to the crew to that, and then I, I realized all that. You know that this is the kind of pattern of what happens. It goes horizontally, following you everywhere, not just only from management fostering right. bullying, bullying culture. You know? um, and the other thing was they wanted to make the policy so that well, actually, we're not going to tolerate any racism. So even if you bring up racism, and there was some. Um, it's like well, when that doesn't happen in our thing. You, you're lying. You know that that's the kind of thing that goes on. You know, it's your so, word against theirs. There's that, yeah. But also they turn it around to mm. sweep it under the rug, <laughs> so to speak, because it's like no, the fire service. How can that possibly happen? We've got blah blah. blah this is happening, and so well, it's. Like it, I mean, it's funny you say that because even when we were just you know prepping for today's conversation, and you mentioned you know, the racism experienced within your career as a firefighter. I yeah. was actually horrified that that was even a thing. That's the reason why, because there still was pockets of it. Of course, it's a generic, you know, bullying culture towards minority groups, really. I think that's what it is, as well as a bullying culture in general, because it was, you know, even without any characteristics. Yeah. So it just had a bullying, a strong bullying culture. It's just like that. Of course, you know, I have memories of school days of not really wanting to be around people that was really... yeah. You know, going over the top with their teasing and stuff like that is different. There's a fine line, isn't there? With there is a fine, fine line. And, you know, yeah. and, and, and making sure you don't step over it to make it, you know. So do you think it's a cultural thing? It was a cultural thing, yeah. So it's 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 what they know as a, a fire brigade culture or watch culture, because watches is the name of the shift you work on, you know. So I'm on this right. watch, I'm on that watch, you know. So it's kind of what they call fire brigade watch culture. Wow. Um, so uh, that's, yeah, that was a cultural thing. And then I don't know what was happening with management, but they were now on a transformation of trying to change all that, you see. So, yeah. That's hair-raising. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, we are definitely living in a day where racial discrimination is still very much alive. Um, yeah. We've seen the rise, obviously, of Black Lives Matter, you know, throughout yeah. 2020. So there is a cry across the earth for racial equality. Now, you sent me a couple of links. Um, I noticed an article from the BBC that you forwarded to me, um, which I'll just share with the audience. That Just in January yeah. of this year, the BBC put out an article that talks about the fire services in England being marred by a toxic culture. Yes, yeah. So the toxic culture is a generic kind of bullying culture that they kind of fostered, which, as I say, when I joined, it was kind of like now it, it was in a position where management saying we've got to do something about this, whereas before that in the 70s and 80s, it, they yeah. weren't really doing much about it. No, it was just a joke, wasn't it? Yes, then? yeah. But people were bullied then as well. I mean, it's right. just it was just kind of like, play, you know, bullying in schools has been going on for generations, hasn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> so it's kind of like that, you know. So, um, But they didn't do anything about it. But then it started, you know, from when I joined in 1990, maybe just before that even, you know. Um, and... You can see with that article in January that nothing's been done about it. Right, right. I mean, I was horrified um, by the other article that you sent me in the Metro. Um, it says here, the mother of a London firefighter says she believes her son took his own life because he was being bullied and was a victim of racism. 
Jaden Francois Espirit was found hanged in his home in Wapping, East London, three weeks after his 21st birthday. He had been training to be a firefighter at Wembley Station, where his mother, Linda Francois, said he was singled out for being the only person of colour. Yeah, so, I mean, I was in that position, but, you know, I will actually... Yeah, I was the only person kind of on my watch, you know, I mean, in the shift I was working on, but there was one more uh, black firefighter on another, another watch. So we didn't really speak much because we were like literally on the opposite end. So the four days I worked, he was never there. And the four days right. he worked, I wasn't there. So we only saw each other changing over the four, right. four days. So we didn't really never have a chat. But um, that's the treatment I had when I told you I was raising it with the managers when I first joined as a, as a, as a trainee myself. And, you know, that's that's the sort of, when you see that denial comment, oh, we didn't notice any sense of uh, loss of well-being. We weren't aware of any bullying and blah, blah. That's what they say. That's what they say. So this is kind of what happened with me, the, the sweeping under the carpet thing. And like yes. you say, the public don't expect that from the fire service. Maybe no. the police, yeah, because the police are in touch with the public all the time. Right. Firefighters don't, you know, you don't you don't really see firefighters in the same way on the streets as police. You know, if something goes wrong, you normally call the police. Right. If it's a fire, you won't see them because we're busy putting out the fire or yeah. doing something with the incident. You exactly. Know. But I think also society's view of firefighters is that of heroism, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it is true. It's true. The, the, the actual general camaraderie and, and and wanting to be like that, it, it, you know, is there? Yeah, that that side of it, it's very professional in that sense. But you know, it's internally, yeah, yeah, internally, the way the staff's being treated, you know, by some, I should say. But then it's there's still a culture because it can spread within some people that are complicit to the bullies, yeah, you know. Absolutely. Um, so it becomes a cultural thing in terms of it spreading with other people, and it's like, yeah. oh, this is normal. It's not, you know. And then so that's the problem, and then that that isn't what the public sees no that isn't what the public's going to see you know so um of course where your humanitarian's out in the public's eye you're not humanitarian when something like that happens where someone yeah. it's, i mean I, the suicide rates got up anyway in terms of what the things you see when you go to severe incidents you know even yeah. that one incident or drip drip from the smaller incidents you go to there is a risk of ptsd and um of course and, 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 and suicide and it's it's actually been a big concern with in the u.s i know it's you know really big it's took over the line of duty death meaning the death from actual fire wow it's less than the suicide rate the suicide rate is higher Oh my I think gosh. for cops it's even higher, but you can see they need, oh they've got man. some stuff to sort out in the US. Yeah, as well. for sure. But yeah. then something but, has to change. Yeah, but you know, there's good cops out there as well. You know, I mean, I've had friends that joined the police, and you know, that some of I, I know have fought yep. racism within the police. You know, but right. they still wanted to be a cop. And so you, you know, the, it's it's a case that. It's just the culture, isn't it, really? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But okay, but look, I think here's where I'm going, is if I were to be heading up a fire department in London and I was listening in on this conversation, I can tell you now, I would be on the phone to you saying, I want you to come and I want you to look at my department and I want you to come and see where the gaps are, see where the issues are. But how would you then help us change this whole culture of you know, banter that involves racism that actually ultimately leads to a young 21-year-old committing suicide, having been in it yourself. I suppose it has to happen top bottom because there was a report before, there have been several reports. There was a report before I joined, uh, I think in the 70s, there was another one, one, 10 years after I joined in 1999, called the Thematic Report of the Fire Service. And of course, this one now. But you're right, it has to flow from the top. 
Like yeah. if it's if it's okay at management level and you're being told, oh, you've just got to tolerate it, then nothing yeah. is going to change because everything is infiltrated from the top. Yeah. But I think with bullying is that um you know, it, it's it's people people will see it because it's an any job, but obviously it's severe in you know jobs like the fire service. Yeah, um, is that it's more of an occupational hazard because bullying is everywhere. You know, bullying you hear about bullying everywhere in school, of you know, and then again that's a as a it's seen as a hazard because how do you you know with bullying it's it, it yeah. can happen from one individual to a group of people or from a group of people to one individual. Yeah, you know, and it doesn't irrespective. I'm just saying group is you know yeah irrespective of characteristic you know i mean gender race age you know that kind of thing so um uh yeah something else as much as give the education at at the bottom meaning you know that giving it to the workers on the ground um, yes how do you how do you make that how do you implement it and make sure absolutely you can't you can't sack everyone (laughs) no (laughs) no things like that and obviously you don't want something like suicide to happen and no. Um, there was another colleague. I think I gave you another link to a colleague that worked on the same shift of mine. Yeah. And what happened there was that um, I worked on the shift that it, this is Jason Toll, the one you yep. saw the other article. Yeah. I worked on that shift before he came to work there. He got he, he got transferred from Shoreditch where he made a tribunal case. Right. And then I left there and made a complaint about that watch. And then they sent him on that watch. And then he sent them to Tribune. He got he got a big payout. I, mean, I can say that now. But, um, yeah. It was like it was an undisclosed amount, but I think it was a hell of a lot. It probably covered his the rest of his pension for the rest of his life. Right. Right. But the thing is, um, you know, I was surprised that they put him on the same shift as me when I already said there's a problem here. I think that's just it, right? As until it comes to the light, then how do we deal with things, right? For as long as it's hidden, yeah. then there is no dealing with it. But it's it's coming out, it's being mm. You know, it's obviously in the spotlight at the moment more and more. Um, And, yeah, I mean, things have got to change. They cannot carry on as they are. But how do we implement that change? It's tough because listening to your story, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's almost like the bullies in the playground from when you were little are now in the management positions. That's the thing. Yeah, that's (laughs) the other thing that happens. That's the other thing that does happen is that they do get promoted. In fact, they get disciplined first and get promoted. It's like, how the hell did you get? Right. Yeah, but I think part of the challenge with society is is that we go, well, he's strong. He knows what he wants. You know, he's not willing to tolerate any nonsense. So he's naturally going to promote himself or be promoted up into the top dog positions. Meanwhile, he was actually the bully in the playground who you know, was, yeah, just, right, yeah. was following down. Well, what tends to happen is saying, oh, yeah, I remember him. He was a bully. He was a bit of this. and But he's, he's calmed down a bit now. He's done the management. Because when you're management, you're pulled out of that environment, you know, the, the culture a bit. But you're still right. part of the fire brigade culture as in the management side now. Yeah. So how they deal with it is if they're sweeping it under the rug, that's a culture of it as well. Exactly. Of doing that. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. But I think also then once it comes out from under the rug, what are we doing with it on it? Because it, it demands action, right? We can talk about it until we're blue in the face. But at the end of the day, yeah. there has to be some outworking of change. Yes, yeah. There's two things. As I say, there's the bullying culture, which is really, as you know, it's like, oh, this is part of the job kind of thing. Yeah. Then there's racism, which is yeah. like, that can't possibly be a bit of fire service. Look, the public loves us, blah, 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 because all you see is a humanitarian side, yeah. which when you see the toxic... You know, in England's fire service article, you know that yeah. now it's obviously exposed now that well, actually, this happens inside, and they're not inside. so humanitarian when it happens to us inside, which obviously, yeah. you know, the, 
worst case scenarios yeah. happened with Jaden, you know. So right. the fact is, um that that's two two things to do with it. And of course, of course it is also institutionally sexist as well. So um so Black Lives Matter can only help in cert- a certain way in terms of, well, okay, let's look at the corporations and look at this, blah, 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 that. Because even they're saying we still got a way to go. Yeah, you know, like even though fifty years ago there was a civil rights movement and yeah. you know things were being done, we changed the law in terms of you know like apartheid. You changed the law in terms of you know one and sitting on one side of the bus and the other and the other. Yeah, in, in in institutions like fire service and even the police, it, you know, it's a slightly different thing. You know, it's kind of hidden in a way, isn't it? Yeah, really? it's not. You know, yeah. it's a hidden. What's your advice then to the person who maybe is in this situation where they're experiencing racism on a day-to-day basis that's hidden inside the confines of their work environment or sexism or whatever it might be? What do you yeah. want to say to those people? Yeah, raise it. Speak speak about it to someone and raise it. Agreed. So it, it, it's difficult to find, but I built a network. And then when I got involved with the trade union, I built more of a network. And yeah. as much as the depression was, and anxiety was trying to kick in, right. and on top of what you have to deal with, with the job, and it was very busy when I joined, it was, you know, the fire has gone lower, but, you know, yeah, you have got to look after yourself. So do things Absolutely. like, um, it, it, you don't have to get into full-on mindfulness, just do some breathing, learn about breathing. Because I, I, I did sports, you see, so I yes. can, continued it on because I wanted to keep fit for the fire service, but then found that was an outlet for me. So I, wow. I just kept, carried on competing and I had a social network there as well, although they didn't understand what's going on. And, you know, well, yeah. some probably did, but, you know, so I, you know, that kept me, I, I learned about personal development from there as well and learn about, you know, sports psychology in terms of, you know, get rid of competition yeah. and doing the meditation and mindfulness and yeah. visualization. So I, I'm not saying go full on with that, but that sort of thing it is kicking in with firefighting training now. Anyway, they tell them it's about good. stress management from training when they start the first as trainees now. Yeah. Just make sure, you know, all rounds. Self-care is so self-care, important. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so important. So when you feel yourself losing it in that sense, just look at self-care as well. That's, that's the main thing. So you can, you know, Absolutely. mindfulness will help get your, you know, your mind away from that and deal, just stay in the present and stay grounded. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost yeah. like your journey, though, in school with the bullying, but even in, in your career as a firefighter, you know, dealing with racism, it's actually kind of equipped you to be the resilience coach that you are now, you know, where you're... Yeah training people and equipping people with these tools that you've learned over the years and have had to adapt over the years, you're yeah. now able to equip others. I think that's just brilliant. Yeah. Well, what it is, is that I was doing some fitness co- coaching for, well, I went to the athletics track and started to get, do this, I did this thing called a sports leader uh, awards thing. So Amazing. it's kind of like the beginning of doing a coaching thing. Yeah. So, but and because of the mindset side of things, I started getting more into that. And then I started reading a lot about personal development because of what was happening at work. And I thought, Great. well, you know, fine about that kind of like management type. Yeah. You know? Then I started doing NLP and that got combined with sports coaching a lot. Then wow. I started looking more with the severe side of, because I started feeling the symptoms when I stopped my training and things were going wrong. Wow. I looked more at my well-being as a person with what happened more with the fire service rather than, you know, I weren't doing yeah. sports then. But then I felt, well, I needed to still keep that side of it up because that was like a yep. um, lifeline for me, yep. you know. So um, and I think it 
when you look back at right from when I won, when I first started winning at school days, it gave me wow. self-esteem, you know. Absolutely. So I think find something that gives you self-esteem because not everyone wants to do running. It's boring to a lot, you know, a lot of people I talk to. But, you know, if you enjoy something else physically, if you Absolutely. play basketball or football, do that. It's going to keep yeah. you. And you also got a group of people around you and, and things like that, you know. Absolutely. Man, it's been such an interesting conversation. I have really enjoyed um, this talk with you. How yeah. can people get hold of you, get hold of your book even? Yeah, well, um, everything's on my website, which is okay. more geared towards my podcast, because since um, the lockdown, I've been more online and the podcast has got really yep. busy. Fantastic. Doing, now doing the online coaching, which... Congratulations. That's awesome. So you can go to davepalmer.com, which is D-A-V-E-P-A-M-A-H.com. Uh, and then basically everything will be there. I mean, the first yeah. thing you'll see is the episodes of my podcast because, as I say, that's the main thing I'm doing. Yeah, really, that's so. fantastic. That's brilliant. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll make sure, guys, that all the information to Dave is included in the description field of today's podcast. I'll also make sure all his social media links are there. So before we close, Dave, yeah, we're going to close with On Your Marks, Get Set, Go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is I think quite appropriate for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you got you got me all nervous now. I think I'm in a race. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, I haven't done so. this for a long time. <laughs> I'm getting all psyched up now. Okay. Yeah, go on, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, you gotta run around the block. No, I'm kidding. All right. Yeah, okay. Here we go. Okay, so we're gonna do 10 personal questions that you have oh. to answer as quickly as possible. Okay. Oh wow, okay. Timer okay. is on. <laughs> Okay, are you ready? Yep. Set. Ready. On your marks, get set, go. What's the latest TV show that you have been binging on? Um, that's a good question. I haven't really been watching TV, so... Oh, my gosh, you uh, have a life. YouTube, YouTube. <laughs> What's yeah. your favourite sport? Well, I suppose athletics, really. Obvi- obviously. That, What's your favourite <laughs> meal? Uh, I, I, I did like, a, like my uh, rice and peas. <laughs> on a Sunday <laughs> so I still like that actually I love that yeah, okay yeah. paint us a snapshot of an everyday moment in your life that makes you smile uh talking to wonderful people like you oh. you can see I'm smiling now oh you're so precious <laughs> um, but there's plenty of things that make me smile and um that's one thing people always said was that oh, Dave's got a nice smile and things like that and I'm, when I'm not if, I, if I'm not smiling I look miserable so I have to <laughs> try and keep smiling you know <laughs> I have to say that to my husband every now and again, babe. Just oh, smile because you just love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't have a kind of neutral look, so it's one or the other. <laughs> okay, who is your favourite human on the planet? Uh, well, there's a few, but I'll say people like Nelson Mandela. Yeah, yeah. I'll just say yeah. that. Yeah, love that. Okay, what's your favourite animal? Well, uh, man's best friend's a dog, so yep. I'll say a dog. Yeah. Okay, and um, what do you think of garden gnomes? I don't think they have any place on this earth at all. Get rid of them. <laughs> no, no. I don't really have a really thought about them. I just don't, I don't see any point in them being there. But I think there's a reason for it, isn't there? There is a reason for garden gnomes. There is? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, <laughs> I, for me, I don't know. It seems pointless, but I, I'm sure there is a reason for it. You know we're all going to be Googling this now. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Even me, I'm going to be Googling now. I've said that. <laughs> What's the purpose of the garden gnome? Okay, are you a tea or coffee drinker? Coffee drinker, I'd say, yeah. Oh, you are not English. Oh, no. Oh, you've disappointed me now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, how do you handle stress? Well, doing what I'm doing with the uh, 
uh, well, the main way is just, yeah, the, the breathing, the visualization of mindfulness and things like that and exercise, exercise releases endorphins and then doing something I enjoy. Love it. Um, so being on this podcast, I'm enjoying that. Yeah. You know, do a podcasting actually. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah for do something sure. You enjoy. Yeah. Okay. And lastly, what are you most grateful for in your life? I'm grateful to wake up every morning and say, you know, thank thanks um, you know, alive and seeing another day and just yeah. just having life here. Yeah, I love that. Well, Dave, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you, and I'm sure we will talk again soon. Yeah, sure, definitely. And uh, thanks for having me. Everyone, thank you so much for dropping by. Hey, burying matters under the rug keeps us bound, okay? But as we talk about the tough stuff, we can expect healing and restoration. If you're excited about this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your loved ones. We want the ripple to go out far and wide. Till next time, I love you heaps.